Join me for a conversation with Ash Goldstein as they describe their journey through exploration of their own diversity and how they fit into the outdoor world of kayaking, climbing, skiing, and more. They'll share some of their insights around risk, around navigation of radical authenticity, and some of their great adventures in the outdoors. Hope you join me. Welcome to The Avid Adventurer. I'm your host, Dave Secunda, founder of Avid for Adventure, and I am psyched you're here. Each week, just like today, I'll bring you an interview with a kiddo, young adult, or parent as they share not only the details of their noteworthy outdoor pursuits, but also how they navigate risk, challenge, setbacks, and service in their journey. It'll bring a smile to your face and you'll feel your heart expand as you get to know the inner landscapes of these athletes. After listening, I know you'll feel uplifted and ready for your own next avid adventure. So let's dive in. Welcome, Ash. I am really looking forward to this conversation. There's so many different things that uh, I want to ask you about and know about uh, to layer on top of the things that I already do. But let me welcome you in and ask you to just introduce yourself uh, at a high level, and then we'll uh, start having a conversation. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Ash Goldstein. I live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm 17. Uh, I use any pronouns. And I think that was everything. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Um, so since we are kind of talking about the outdoors as a theme on this podcast, uh, I want to invite you to just kind of share what has stood out to you in your 17 years in the outdoors. Either things you're proud of or things that were just amazing moments out there uh, that uh, that come forward. Uh, you know, this past summer, I, I started volunteering with Diversify Whitewater, which is this awesome nonprofit based out of Fort Collins. And I I did two paddle events with them. I did a, a skills day and a kind of like community paddle. Um where they, they it's they're completely free and they, they bring in these people like people who otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to check out whitewater sports and basically teach them the basic skills of kayaking or like take them out on the on the on a whitewater section. And that was, that was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I also got my, uh, wilderness first aid and swift water rescue certification this past summer, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, in part because I'll be able to do more work in that realm and, and be like a more certified, a better certified and experienced individual in, in that particular field. Um, uh, also, this <laughs> this past every year, my my school does a eight day backpacking trip um, to kind of like launch us into the school year. And mm-hmm. this past this past backpacking trip was a little bit brutal in the sense that it it hailed every single day, <laughs> um, and our tarps were less waterproof than we would have liked, and. Um, and I, I, I was a senior and it's, they're in like advisory groups. And so, um, it ended up being kind of a lot of responsibility on me, but I, I think, I feel like I handled that responsibility pretty well. Um, 
And the trip was a lot of fun, despite sitting in lightning position, probably a total of like eight hours the entire trip. Um, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. uh, Well, I find find it interesting that three of the the big highlights in the outdoors that you're sharing are really about moving more um, kind of into leadership positions and opportunities to um, kind of give back and connect with others in the field. Um, well, but before I go deeper on that one, I do want to give you the opportunity, as I do with all our guests, to finish the sentence to give folks just a little bit more insight into who you are um, and to just say, uh, you know, if you really knew me, you would know. So, I, like, take it away. Take that sentence uh, and, and share something with our listeners. You would probably know that if if you needed an item, I'm the person to go to. Uh like if you need a random random thing and we're at school, uh, I probably have it. And Excellent. if you if you need some obscure thing for medical reasons, I probably have it. Excellent. All right. Well, probably a great person to have on any trip then, because there's always always that need there. Uh, well, tell me a little bit more. Uh, you know, you shared a little bit about kind of moving into more of uh, of a leadership uh, position or leadership kind of trajectory in your outdoor career. Um, and uh, you talked about working with the program up in Fort Collins, getting some certifications, and even with your school kind of moving into um, a, a position on a, on a difficult trip where some of the upliftment that you shared was really around um, kind of being able to navigate through that difficult situation as a leader. Talk a little bit about like your early days in the outdoors and, and kind of connecting the dots to now kind of turning more outward in, in the outdoors uh, to working with other people. You know, what, what things did you spend time with uh, when you were a kid and, um, and what kind of impact did they have? And, and then, you know, how, how did the breadcrumb along to starting to spend time leaning into working with other people or wanting to do that? Yeah, so I was raised in the Roaring Fork Valley, which is, you know, includes Aspen and Glenwood Springs. And it's kind of like, I was raised in Basalt, which is like a small mountain town um, up until fifth grade, uh, the end of fifth grade when I moved to Boulder. Um, and I mean, that valley is kind of the best place to learn to do a lot of sports. Uh, I mean, Aspen has some of like the state, if not the country's best skiing. Um, there, like, there's the Maroon Bells, which is crazy famous mountains, and we're like right nest, we're nestled right in the Rocky Mountains. So there's a there's a lot of sports that happen there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, climbing up Independence Pass and down Norton Your Rifle, and so I it kind of was a given that I would engage in sports from a young age. I mean, my parents taught me to ski when I was like two and I, we would hike a bunch and learn how to backpack there. And so it, it kind of was assumed that I would spend time in the outdoors. And part of that was also I had parents who really appreciated where we lived for that reason. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time outdoors. I went to a school that, uh, had outdoor education. And so, you know, you kind of built upon that until uh, just to build on your skills. And so that it became kind of an integral part of my young education. And so it was just kind of a given. So like, yeah, skiing a bunch. I learned how to climb there. Uh, I would spend a bunch of time on, on the Roaring Fork River 
with my family. Uh, any, not any yet pat- in a hard, not yet in a hard shell kayak, but uh, usually like an inflatable. Um, and so that was, that was kind of, I guess the origins of it all. But mm-hmm. I think I very Got quickly any- stumped. Sorry. I was going to say any particular standout early memories in the outdoors, either in a kayak or on a trail or something like that, that, um, you know, that kind of stands out to you as an early formative experience. Um, I distinctly remember the first time I hiked the Highland bull, uh, which is like this very famous kind of series of, of runs up on, on top of Highlands, uh, Aspen Highlands, the ski mountain, ski runs, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and um, I think I think I was twelve, um, and like it was this really big thing. Our ski instructor got us all matching sweatshirts, and like it was like, like this this is what we've been we've been building up to. Um, so that I think that that was kind of a really awesome experience. Also, in part because it was very communal. It wasn't very like, oh, we're gonna go, like conquer the Highlands Bowl. It was very like, oh, we're in it together and we're all working towards this singular goal. Um, mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I, I there's a there's a section on the Roaring Fork River that's called Cemetery. And it's it's not actually that hard. It's not very te- technical. There's just some big rapids and a couple biggish rapids in there. And I remember going with an like a friend who hadn't spent much time on the river and she was terrified like <laughs> mm-hmm. terrified because she was paddling her own boat mm-hmm. and, and you were you were kayaking yeah i think i was i no, i was on an inflatable with my dad i think i was pretty mm-hmm. young at that time i must have been mm-hmm. like nine or ten and mm-hmm. i was just distinctly remember like turning over to be like looking over to being like it's fine you'll be fine and like, <laughs> like nine-year-old is like reassuring this like 40-year-old woman and i just <laughs> it was like a very um I guess like a very humorous moment to me where I was like, Oh wow. Like I do have spent a lot of time and I'm quite comfortable in the outdoors in ways that are always, you know, the standard. And I think that was kind of eye opening to me in the sense of like, Oh, this is not an experience that everyone has. Um, I love that. Well, you know, there are a lot of, of parents who listen to this podcast. And so kind of growing up in that, is there any, um, coaching or advice that you would give to parents who are trying to navigate uh, what is appropriate and what is not appropriate as far as uh, taking their kids into the outdoors and kind of where the the risk profile lands appropriately and uh, and what's right for them and their kid, like kind of growing up in that, any perspective that you would now share with somebody who's trying to figure that out as a, as maybe a first time or second time parent? You know, that's a really good question because a lot of the, the kids I grew up with are doing some of the most insane things now. Uh, and they're my age. They're doing like, they're paddling some of, some of the hardest white water in the, in the country. They're skiing some of the hardest stuff. Some of them are sponsored already. Um, and so I, that is a, a dilemma. Um, for me, I think my parents, were a lot more conservative. I don't think like I think they saw that I had a very diverse set of interests. And so it like, they encouraged me to go outside. They encouraged me to spend time in the outdoors, but it was never, um, 
pushed, I think, the same way because I didn't demonstrate a singular passion towards it. I think that that's an important distinction, too. Like, if your kid is, you know, singularly passionate about something, the best thing you can do is give them the skills to recognize risk themselves. Um, so mm-hmm. if skiing, taking AVI courses, making sure they're updated on that, making sure they're updated on uh, wilderness first aid. Uh, I think you can get your wilderness first responder at 16. Um, mm-hmm. And if they can't make sure, and if they, they can't get those certifications yet, like make sure your kids are going with reputable people who do have those certifications um, mm-hmm. and kind of like building up the resources and scaffolding so that, that ideally they have the skills to handle high risk situations mm-hmm. um, because they're not, you're not going to keep your kids from doing high risk situations. Like, high risk things. I mean, if your kid's passionate about an outdoor sport, they're going to do it regardless. Um, I like, love that. When they're, I, I, when they're younger, they, they, they'll have more guidance, but as they get older, then, you know, and, and if you don't give your kid the skills, then that's a lot higher risk than just accepting, mm-hmm. hey, this is something that you're going, you're passionate about, this is something you're going to do, here's the things that I can do to support you. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually feel like that is sage advice. It's uh, amazing just to share back what what I what I heard from you is is really as a parent, you know, first looking for that passion or that spark of passion, um, and then that's really really important to kind of see that in your kid and recognize it, and then amplify it, give opportunities to go deeper, uh, and then scaffold it. You know, to be able to provide instruction um, and opportunities for certifications. Uh, to provide more and more of a, a kind of a, a container um, for those adventures to contain, uh, to, to kind of live within. And kind of as you're saying, which I think we all know to be true, is as people grow, they're going to do what they're going to do. And so that's uh, that's your kind of moment uh, of influence as a parent is to, to be by your kiddo's side through that uh, through that journey overall. <laughs> Interesting. So, Ash. Um, Talk to me a little bit about, um, as I have known you, your commitment to, to diversity in the outdoors. You talked about volunteering with this organization in Fort Collins. That was the first thing that you led with as kind of what you're excited about and proud of in the outdoors. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about kind of where that comes from, any personal experiences around that that have kind of been foundational in you leaning in, in, um, in supporting kind of diverse populations that are coming into the outdoors and kayaking. Yeah. So I was adopted from China at 11 months. Um, and I was one of, you know, maybe a dozen, two dozen uh, Chinese adoptees that lived in the Rolling Fork Valley at that, at that time. Um, and, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I really, met a lot of Asian people or like black people or indigenous people or literally anyone except for pretty much primarily white individuals for probably like the first 10 years of my life. Uh, I went to like heritage camp. Uh, so I, I met like other Asian adoptees there. Uh, but even that, like that was, you know, you're going to a camp to see people like it was a very contained space. So it was not as I guess supportive for me. Um, and so I, I immediately kind of stumbled upon this, this dilemma of, you know, there's a very pervasive culture in the outdoor, in outdoor sports where I used to live. And, and I would say here in Boulder too. And it's, it's very kind of like conquer centric. 
very uh, like white settler oriented. Um, and so for me, that was, that was a really big dilemma because, you know, I'm, I live in a primarily white state or yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so just fundamentally being an Asian adoptee kind of created this tension. And so for me, it became an issue of, well, what can I do to kind of mitigate that? How can I try and form community, not just for me, but also for every other individual that experiences things similar to me? Um, and so I, I started yeah, doing research for different organizations. Um, Diversify White Water is an awesome one. There's a ton of, there's like some really cool, uh, organizations depending on sports because I'm mostly kayaking. I'm mostly focused on, uh, organizations that are doing stuff for kayaking, but you know, Rios to Rivers is an amazing one. Um, and I think they're based out of the Pacific Northwest. So, uh, I just started being drawn to that because I didn't want to exist in outdoor spaces in a way that kind of um, perpetuated that that white settler mindset because it didn't it didn't feel uh, inclusive or or like supportive of all mm. the people that outdoor sports could be really beneficial to. Mm-hmm. I got it. So and what I'm hearing you say is just like really comes from this personal experience uh, of uh, of kind of both. Uh, looking for where you fit in and also not wanting to promote what you see as kind of a white settler mentality of conquering, you know, big, uh, uh, big agendas in, in the outdoors. And so kind of your answer is to kind of lean in um, where you have on the volunteering on, on supporting diverse populations in the outdoors. Um, well, that's, that's beautiful. Um, have you had experiences that come to mind specifically where you've, felt like you know you haven't fit in or or kind of it was difficult to navigate specifically in the outdoors i mean you talked about growing up in the roaring fork valley um but you know you've covered a lot of ground since then is that something that uh has persisted in different environments or uh or 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 not you know it's it's kind of always there um i think it's particularly severe in kayaking um, just because we're a very small community. We're one of the smaller, like there's not a lot of us. There's I think about like a hundred thousand people in the United States or something like that. So it's very intimate. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's not, this is the same kind of progress that's being made in climbing or, or skiing and like these conversations that are being had. Uh, they're starting to happen in kayaking, but it, there's a little bit of like a, a lag. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I went to a summer camp this past, uh, yeah, summer and it was kind of like this training camp for kayaking. And I think there was, a, there was a lot of tension for me throughout the trip or throughout that course because, um, it was a very, high intensity kind of camp. And I, I loved mm-hmm. it. It gave me a ton of skills. Um, but, you know, as a person who, who was there to learn skills and wasn't necessarily there to like throw myself into the biggest hole and see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that kind of created a disconnect between me and, and my peers who are also like young kayakers and were awesome, but also just had very different goals. 
mm-hmm. within the sport of kayaking. And so, um, that kind of created some tensions that I had to, had to navigate. Why is Avid for Adventure voted one of Outside Magazine's best places to work year after year? Because when you work here, your office is the outdoors, atop mountains, in rivers, and on trails, alongside colleagues that share your passions. Your to-do list will consist of teaching curious kids how to paddle, climb, hike, bike, and thrive in the outdoors. This isn't your typical day job. It's an adventure you'll never forget. Come check out all the opportunities for this summer at Avid for Adventure at avid4.com and then click on jobs. Why is Avid for Adventure voted one of Outside Magazine's best places to work year after year? Because when you work here, your office is the outdoors, atop mountains, in rivers, and on trails, alongside colleagues that share your passions. Your to-do list will consist of teaching curious kids how to paddle, climb, hike, bike, and thrive in the outdoors. This isn't your typical day job. It's an adventure you'll never forget. Come check out all the opportunities for this summer at Avid for Adventure at avid4.com and then click on jobs. Do you ever feel like a pressure in that, uh, in that kind of a situation to show up a certain way or represent or something like that, as far as like being a change maker or, you know, like what, how, how do you show up when you, when you are feeling that and yeah. And noticing that inside. I guess there's always a little bit of a, a dilemma in that space because, you know, if I can, I can be the person who's, who's calling you out on your microaggressions. I can be the person who's, who's acknowledging that this mentality that we're having is, is harmful to a lot of other people. Right. But that mm-hmm. obviously puts me in a very awkward position because I'm the only one doing it. I'm and fundamentally, I'm also one of the few that's aware of it. So there's, you know, that fundamental issue of there's just no awareness of the fact that that is a mindset. It, it's, it's not, it's just the standard. It's not deemed as something that's, um, even worth like considering because it's, yeah, it's just what is expected. And, and so I guess for me, the expectation to be good representation is very much there. Like the expectation to kind of be, you know, a good, a good example for other people like me, because for a lot of people, like I'm the first, I'm the first Asian meeting. So I guess like that's that sort of yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you inside have a lot of diversity in so many ways. I think you know, it, it it's like you show up and and there's always going to be a box that folks are just like, wow, you're outside of my box, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, talk a little bit about if you would, um, you know, one of our early connections was you as a camper at Avid for Adventure. And, um, again, kind of a lot of our listeners have that connection as well. How did that play into your early experiences in the outdoors? Um, and, and kind of what, what did you take away from those experiences as you, uh, as you kind of grew and, and continued on your own trajectory? I think Out for Adventure continued to grow my passion for the outdoors and to kind of highlight to me some of the issues that are, are existing currently in the outdoor in outdoor spaces. Um I had I had that same dilemma of like there's I just could not relate to my peers. Um so I ended up spending a lot more time with the 
instructors who are amazing and the counselors are amazing and I love them. Um, and, 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 but I think the, the, the ability to kind of focus in on something for a week and, and not have to worry about a lot of other things was mm-hmm. hugely beneficial. And I think it gave me a lot in terms of skills. Uh, and I, it, it pushed me, it scared me. Um, but I think that that's really important as a, you know, a young individual to kind of continue to push your kids. And I'm so grateful. I have a, a mom who's pretty insistent on, you know, continuing to do things that are a little bit out of your comfort zone and, and hopefully, uh, making, how, helping people to grow and evolve a little bit during that period. So I think, yeah, I think Avid for Adventure gave me a lot of foundational skills and, and passions. Awesome. Do you remember how old you were when you um, did your first Avid for Adventure program? I think it must have been like eight or nine. Yeah. Um, awesome. And I did like the five-day day camp, all place board. Uh, mm-hmm. One, I think. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Um, how, you know, you talked about that feeling of avid and, uh, and other situations in the outdoors, um, coming up against that edge of your comfort zone and also feeling, um, some feelings of fear come up. I'm, I'm sure as you get into, uh, bigger whitewater situations with more and more unknowns, I think whitewater as the ultimate dynamic medium of, of the unknown, really, you know, compared to when I spend a lot of time doing rock climbing, which is fairly static. Um, talk about how you deal with uh, um, kind of both feelings of fear and assessing risk and, and how did those show up for you and in your relationship with your, uh, with your mom and dad as well? Are there conversations about that or, or how, how does that uh, path get navigated? You know, <laughs> Uh, I just came back from, from winter break in Costa Rica. My mom and I were just recently having a conversation about whether or not like climbing or kayaking or surfing, we would, we would be more risky or dangerous for like the average participant. Um, which was a really interesting conversation. I'm constantly fascinated by risk. Uh, I spent, I think I've spent a lot of time, uh, learning to assess risk, learning how to approach risk. Uh, Part of that is just the fact that, like, I go to a school that values that. I go to, like, parents who value that. Um, I would consider myself pretty conservative in general in terms of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for a good time. I don't, I don't, I have nothing to prove. Um, mm-hmm. which I think is a little bit countercultural in terms of, especially like the kayaking world. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess, for me, the the biggest issue I have with fear usually is um, the pressure. Like if you're with other people, like mm-hmm. especially in kayaking, that pressure becomes pretty pretty present. Um, mm-hmm. And so, learning how to navigate that, learning how to kind of branch off from from what you what the group is doing, and and being authentic and and how you're feeling and what you believe. Uh, which I think I've developed a lot of skills in. And then the other thing, and I think a lot of kayakers can probably relate to this, is just locking in. Like the, the fact that I think, and I was I was actually talking to another um, friend of mine who climbs and surfs and some sports. 
I was talking to him recently about this, and he's like, well, you can, like, when you're climbing, you can stop, like, pretty much. Like, you can mostly stop. Mm-hmm. You might have to go for a little ways to, like, climb up to the anchor, but then you can stop. And in kayaking, there's, like, a certain continuousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that continuous, continuousness kind of creates this interesting dynamic because at a certain level, it's terrifying and it's awful and risks can quickly kind of multiply on each other. But on the other hand, it kind of forces you into this very particular mindset. Um, and I, I haven't experienced that mindset anywhere else. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm, I'm especially drawn to kayaking where it's like, okay, this is what's happening. I'm at the top of this massive rapid. I guess I just have to lock in and, mm-hmm. and paddle well to the rapid because that's, I can't get out of it now. Um, mm-hmm. And so kind of that, that difference, there's not really a way out usually when you're kayaking. Mm-hmm. How has that mentality and that learning come into aspects of your life outside of spending times in the outdoors? Or has it? In general, I would consider myself someone who, who locks in on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I spend a lot of different times on projects and I'll look up and it's 2 a.m. and I didn't realize. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that, that that actually helps me a lot when I'm kayaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kayaking has also just given me that sense of like radical acceptance in the sense of this is what's happening and we're just going to have to roll with the punches. Like this, like you might get flipped over. You might hit your head on a rock. You might like we're going to heads council and there might be a, someone might bring up something and we're going to have to figure out a solution to that. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the, citizenship committee on my school on my school which deals with discipline issues and so there's constantly like uh, oh new developments and in, in these different issues interpersonal issues at school and how are we going to deal with that and so i think it it's drastically built my ability to problem solve and uh kind of go with the flow i love that so taking that experience you've built in the outdoors and that that muscle that you've built of um the requirement to go with the flow you know especially from your background in kayaking where sometimes there's not an option and so it's kind of as you said this radical acceptance and embracing of that and then bringing it into the broader experience of life unfolding with that same radical acceptance um that's um that's amazing i love it um well you know, um, Ash, I, one thing that's so common in outdoor experiences is is constantly getting tossed in with a kind of a new group of people, whether you're at the helm of that group as a leader or a participant in that group or partnering with somebody in a new adventure. There, there just kind of is this, um, you know, this natural flow where you're doing something new, you're going to a new place. It's likely you're going to also at that same moment be in a, in a mix of new people. That's not as common outside of the outdoors. Like many folks will, let's say if they're on a sports team or, or, you know, they're doing something like that, it's like the team and they might be with that team for years. And it's those same people showing up. When you're showing up so often in these new situations of groups, how do you decide or do you? How how is it that you navigate how much of yourself to share and what to share when? Um, you know, I'll I'll mm. I'll just share one quick vignette with you. I was on a Zoom call with you 
um, you know, a month or so ago. And the whole call was wrapping up. And at the end of the call, you said, hey, I just want to share um, this little art that I've been working on on the call. Um, and I know you as an incredible artist. I mean, that's kind of one of the amazing things. I know you haven't talked about that at all on this uh, on this podcast. But in that moment, it was like, okay, you were bringing another layer of yourself to these folks who everyone was just like, wow, that's amazing. You know, thank you for sharing that. Um, but again, it's always a risk of what you share of yourself and when, how do you navigate that and, 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 you know, and figure out how to, how to move forward in those situations? I think oftentimes it, for me, it comes down to a matter of safety. Um, because, mm. because of the position I'm, I'm in and because of the, the, like the nature of the work that I want to be doing, I it kind of requires me to be a little bit radically authentic in terms of, of mm. talking about myself and, and being myself, um, which can be very daunting. But I think, you know, sometimes with these sports, you are putting your life on the line and you are entrusting in your partners that if something goes wrong, you will rescue me. You will, you will help me. And I cannot have any doubts that that would be, that will be the case. Um, and so I guess for me, it's how can I continue to be me? Um, but like, if I'm noticed, but like minimize that tension, at least like in work from like a high, high pressure environment. Like if I'm, if I'm, you know, partnering with a new uh, fellow kayaker and, and we're going down these massive new rapids that like I'm not very familiar with, I'm probably going to be a little bit more hesitant about that. Um, and part of it is, is I think it's hard to explain when it's just been the standard all your life is navigating when it is time to share that information. Um, cause it's usually, for me, it's usually not a question of if I'm going to share that information, it's usually a question of when. Um, mm -hmm. and so is there an experience yeah. you can share of when you did lean in and share that and it was reflected back, um, with either gratitude or positivity or the opposite? Like, is there some anchoring around that to share with folks? Cause I think what you're sharing of this radical authenticity is a life's journey. And I think, um, you know, many folks are kind of trying to figure out how to navigate that. Yeah, this past summer, again, at that camp, we we had weekly kind of like public speaking skills, like assignments, uh, because it was like it's supposed to be a youth development camp. And so there was like public speaking and writing and, and you know, you have to learn how to cook and clean up after yourself. And so there's kind of these these other skills off the water, which I actually really appreciated that it wasn't just like a try hard kayaking camp. Um, but for the last week, they asked me to talk about diversifying whitewater and why I care about that. Um, and so here, here I am in this like cramped conference room and it's like ungodly hot. It's like 80 degrees out and then and the humidity is insane. Um, and we're all like, we're like halfway through the 23 kids and, and you're supposed to have, you, you don't, you don't have a time limit. So like some of us are taking like 15 minutes and it's, it's getting a little bit uh, lengthy. 
Um, but basically, I go up there and I talk about my experiences in Whitewater and I talk about limitations to access and I talk about why it matters. Um, and a lot of kids didn't get it, which was frankly to be expected. Um, a lot of kids kind of like gave me that weird look of like, okay. And, um, but a few kids did get it and a few kids were asking really important and good questions about it. And so I think to me, that was worth it because those kids, you know, now are more aware of it. And those kids moving forward will be more considerate of it. Um, even if it is just a few of them and, and those kids will continue to kind of spread, uh, spread out or like continue, hopefully to build on their, their, their awareness and their education surrounding that. Um, and so I guess it was worth it to me. Um, mm. and it also like, it wasn't a risk of my safety, so it was worth it. Um, I love that. Thank you, Ash. That was, um, such a pleasure. Uh, let me see if there is, um, uh, let me ask you one more question, then we'll wrap up on this one. Um, these days, what brings you the most joy? Um, I think it's, it's little things, um, because I, I, the world is incredibly overwhelming. Uh, it seems like there's just an unimaginable amount of sorrow and despair present at at unimaginable horrors present. And so I guess for me, it's very, it's little moments um, that bring a lot of gratitude. It's, it's kind of like, you know, just sitting uh, in my kayak on the, on the water, you know, and, and like the water's the crazy blue and you're just appreciating that. Um, or it's like, you know, driving home late one night and, and kind of appreciating the sky and the, and the open roads. Um, and there's just like a certain, I think I find I'm constantly in awe of the world because like the, 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 a lot of steps and innovations and breakthroughs that have gotten us to today is insane. And like that, that gives me so much hope and joy, um, and trust that, that as human beings, we will continue to figure it out. Um, so I think, I think I find, I find joy in little things. I find that the, the big things can get quite overwhelming and can quickly lead to despair. So I find a lot of joy in little things. Awesome. Ash, thank you so much for sharing yourself and, uh, and, what makes you happy and the, the path that you've navigated in the outdoors uh, with me and all of our listeners. I so appreciate the time that we had together today. Yeah. Thank you, David. I hope you enjoyed hearing from this avid adventurer as much as I did. Join me every week as we continue to explore the inner landscapes and outer accomplishments of our guests. And if you know someone who you think would make a great interview, please reach out to me at the email in the show notes. I look forward to reconnecting next week.